This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, LS Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com hello and welcome to the Love strangers a swindon town fan podcast with me rich pullen proudly sponsored by the stfc official supporters club rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside beautiful play that is that what a good shot podcast perfect solution to the stress and the strain i'm joined by journalist and king of the sort of mr ben wills hello ben hello rich it's fun when we're winning yeah it's um sort of not bad yeah i'm looking forward to doing this podcast given the uh given the good result of the weekend i'm just um slightly anxious that i've got to think of a new words when i'm uh, thinking of new opinions and thoughts so for those who sort of complain about my over the overuse of the word sort of i will try and um get past that but if i do slip into old habits that i can only apologize you're only human ben barely uh, <laughs> i do my best on this i, I think uh, the club is, is so good at the moment that we have to pick on little things as we'll get on to later on in the podcast so if we need something to moan about and it's my annoying voice and annoying sort of mannerisms and i'm okay with that to be honest <laughs> well saturday the 14th of september 2019 was a lovely sunny day the fan zone looked busy from what i could see when i was briefly passing town were dominant throughout the period before the first goal had been scored but they certainly seemed to struggle against a team who had a criminal amount of players behind the ball so early on. Yeah, copy and paste my sort of um, there you go. There's a sort of for you. Copy and paste my um, my sort of opinions and, and thoughts on this podcast. That a lot of the home games are going to be sort of rinse and repeat. And there's another one for for the season. So um, so yeah, it's going to be a recurring theme that a lot of teams sit back in and, and try and defend the lead, try and defend the point rather. But um, I think it's a case of if Swindon can break these teams down and that'll be that'll be fruitful. It's just a case of people are going to have to be patient with this. And hopefully um, there's, there's cases like there was um, at the weekend where it takes two thirds of a half. But generally they will get there. And, and once they do break through, then the, the opposition sort of open up gaps that Swindon can exploit and get two, three, four goals. So it's going to be a laborious task, I think, me going on this podcast every week and saying after every home game that, yep, uh, the team camped in and Swindon had to break them down. Hopefully more often than not, Swindon can, can break through and get the goals they need to um, secure, secure the three points. If we're winning 3-0 every other week, 
I haven't got a problem with talking about the same thing, believe you me. It was it was much hotter than I thought it would be. And I think early on, a few of the players seemed to struggle with the heat. It's not something that I sort of read into it, but um, I'm, I think you're, you, 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 like I said on, on, on previous weeks, that you, you tend to read into this uh, sort of thing more than I do. I'm, I'm definitely more focused on patterns and play and that sort of thing. But if that, if that did um, take an effect, then I think it's fair enough. But generally, I do think that it was just a case of the odd misplaced past and Maxfield were generally really quite impressive for that first 35 minutes or so. So the heat might have taken a, a bit of toll, but I think clearly Swindon uh, got over it in the end and, and the goals did flow to secure what was um, a comfortable win in the end. Yeah, 37 minutes, the deadlock was broken after Danny Rose's perfect pass was met by Owen Doyle. His effort was saved, but Keshi Anderson was close enough to pounce. <laughs> It was nothing more than Swindon deserved and I want to commend both the town players and the town fans for their patience before the first goal because we, were, we had all the possession but we weren't really doing much in front of goal with it until then. We were you know, probing, we were trying to get in there but it wasn't happening and patience pulled off. I loved how Rose's arms were aloft in anticipation of Doyle scoring. I loved every second of that and I loved Doyle's reaction even though he had missed after Anderson had put in the rebound. A lot of noticeable signs of a team being fully invested and committed to the cause. And in previous seasons, I would have seen a centre-forward miss that. And once the rebound went in, the the player that missed would have either gone to the celebrating crowd and sort of just gone well done, or just head down, walk past them and go back to the centre circle. So it was really good to see that they're all still on board and enjoying every minute of playing for Swindon Town. Yes, yeah, it's, it's great to see. And, um, we, we sort of said a lot again on this podcast that we're hoping that um, players commit to the cause and sign longer-term deals uh, than the sort of one years or um, the loan players can, can buy into it when their contracts with their parents' club expire. So good to see the likes of Doyle and, and, um, and who was it last week? I think it was Doyle both weeks, wasn't it? So, mm-hmm. so yeah, good to see players like that, that celebrate other people's goals and uh, it's rare that Doyle doesn't score, but when he does, he's, he's getting involved in um, other celebrations. And like you said, the like the likes of Rose were were celebrating as well, even though they were quite away behind the uh, the goal being scored. So, yeah, when things are going good, you sort of look into every little detail and, and love every sort of minutiae of it. So good to see uh, there being a real sort of collective spirit within the club um, at this early stage. And it was a lovely pass from Rose. Not bad. I think um, I think Rose is more that deeper line play, playmaker. I was the likes of Doughty and uh, and other people like that are more um, advanced. So quite surprising to see Rose being the, um, the, the or trying to be the direct assister rather than the sort of pass before the assist. But um, even so, a, lo- a lovely ball and and Doyle maybe maybe should have scored. Still, it's good to see that Anderson was there ready to pounce to um, to Gisman and that eventual undeserved lead. There was, and forgive me, listeners, because every now and again I do like to highlight. A few minor negatives. This was a fantastic game, a fantastic day for Swindon, and these are very minor details, but there was a period immediately after Swindon scored the first goal where we seemed to have a little bit of a wobble, forget the game plan and misplaced passes, a little shaky in defence, and a better side than Macclesfield, a better side would have exploited those errors. Yeah, there's a lot of things to enjoy. I think there's going to be lapses of concentration and, and that sort of thing, but... Generally, I think, as as I said before as well, that um, this sort of Wellens high-octane, high-pressing dynamic play will, will lead to sort of breaks where um, players either switch off or they're a bit tired, so they've got to um, refresh and, and go again. So I think as long as Sunday can, can stay relatively disciplined, they should get away with it more times than not in League 2, given, as you said, the likes of opposition with Macclesfield, Morecambe and, and these sorts of teams that, you know, no disrespect, haven't got the best sort of finishing and the best creators. So... I think Swindon might be able to get away with it um, more often than not, as I said. But generally, I think it's something to be expected that Swindon can't go 100% for 100% of the match. So it's going to be something that there's a lot of things that, although Swindon is great, um, Swindon fans have got to get used to. Like I said, they can't really moan about getting it forward and that sort of thing. They've got to get get through it. And there will be glimpses of times where Swindon have got to sort of rest and recover and then go again um, 10 minutes later I think we just need to sort of see a real pattern of Swindon getting two goals in quick succession I think we've seen 
Stevenage last season when they scored two in five minutes and Morecambe the other week when they scored two, was it three in 20 minutes and that sort of thing? And another weekend, it was it was two in 10 minutes. Hopefully those um, lapses in contra- concentration won't get punished and Swindon can, can punish the opposition with, with two goals in, in quick succession more often than not. I remember when I was talking to Terry last week, I remember saying like when you score so close to half time, you just want to get into the interval with that lead. In first time, injury time. Lloyd Isgrove got the ball down to the byline, but his attempted cross ricocheted off a Macclesfield defender. Jerry Yates did well to get there before anyone else. He played the ball to Rob Hunt, who placed the ball lovingly to Owen Doyle, and his effort hits the roof of the net. 2-0, lovely. Yeah, it's standard cliche is it? get a goal before half-time and that sort of um, relaxes people. And that, that certainly happened. And I think, like you said, Swindon worked so hard to get the first that that lapse in concentration in that sort of 10-minute period could have could have cost them. But it was good to see that second goal sort of relax people and got Swindon with a healthy cushion going into the break because we know how antsy and anxious town fans can get on occasions. But yeah, it was quite strange that it took so long for that first one to come and then two came along at once. But I think that's quite standard well as we, as we go on and... Like I said, good to sort of relax people going into that half-time break so they can enjoy their, their pie and beer and relative peace, I think. The second half, it was it was much quieter. Town were happy to just play the ball around. They were like a cat playing with a mouse before devouring it. it everything up until the third goal, except for maybe one effort that Town should have scored, it was very methodical stuff, very professionally done. Yeah, it's also one of those things I always notice when I'm coming to do coming to do the um, match report where I've got I haven't got many words to fill but I'm always trying to think of those major chances rather than half chances to to make it sound a bit more interesting and going into the second half uh, or sorry at the end of the game I could only really think of um, sort of Doyle early on had a shot saved and that Anderson one which wasn't great so I was glad that that, that third goal did arrive to sort of lengthen the match report to make it more interesting but and from a word count but even so I think it's a case of Swindon are, they're not creating bucket loads of chances they're having a lot of shots but they're not really testing the goalkeeper that much but, but when they do Yates and Doyle and Anderson and, and everyone else are, are that sort of um, deadly that they do score when those chances come and I think that's uh, the, the main thing I think we'll see an improvement in, in the amounts of quality chances being provided but generally I think Doyle and, and Yates have been that sort of clinical that it doesn't really matter that Swindon aren't testing the keeper um, that much they're still winning goals by two, three uh, maybe even four goal margins late, later on in the season Well good things come to those who wait and it came Number three came in the 76th minute and it was amazing. One of the best goals we've seen at the county ground for some time as far as team moves are concerned. Anderson to Baldry, Baldry to Rose, Rose to Doyle, Doyle to Anderson, Anderson to Grant, Grant to Iandolo, Iandolo to Isgrove. Isgrove floats it over to Anderson. He controls it, backhills it to Hunt, Hunt to Doyle. You need to put the Allen Deck on the ball song to the back under that because that was that was eerily similar. But, um, but yeah, lovely goal, and I think we're seeing that increasingly more this season. And there's there's one at Orient um, that happened that in that sort of way, and there's been a few in in, in early Wellings towards the, the end of last season where and there's been a few passing moves. So um, and I linked to that that Oldham clip from uh, a few years, a few years ago that people sort of. Um, started to fall in love with Wellens during the early appointment is, is eerily similar to that as well. So, so yeah, this is definitely Swindon becoming more um, Wellens-esque as the season goes on and that, that's good to see. And the goal of the season, the competition at the end of the season could, could be a really enjoyable one even if a lot of the goals are quite similar in the way they um, in the way they come about. It's not just us though. It's an incredible goal, right? Yeah, it's brilliant. I think there's that <laughs> sort of viral clip of if Rochdale can do this and you're telling me Pep Guardiola isn't having an influence on English football so um, I think the Swindon account have jumped on that and, and done the same so if we can contribute to memes that's, that's all well and good as well nice to see there are sort of those um, you know free-flowing ticky-tacky movies if you like in League 2 and uh, Wellens Ball is, is getting more into full flow as the, season, as the season goes on As I've been complaining I, I want to see these sort of events happen at the county ground. So I was really happy that this didn't happen at Orient. It happened at Swindon. So that was really, really good. I didn't think I would watch highlights as much as I watched some of the England cricket highlights over the summer, but I must have seen the third goal probably too many times by now. 
I had to sit a few times during the game just to double check assists and that sort of thing because you get a bit lost with Anderson flicks and Rob Hunt passes and then and Doyle as well. So uh, a lovely goal to watch on repeat though. So uh, more of that please as, as we go on um, throughout this season. Absolutely. So what was the vibe during the post-match interviews? Pretty chilled, I think. Andrew Hall sort of asked him um, well, how you made that sort of look easy and Wellens was quick to do the um, sort of standard manager try of, um, you know, playing things down and this isn't easy and we work hard and that sort of thing. And uh, there was generally a lot of questions as we'll get onto, um, onto this podcast that how do key players like Zaki and Doughty get into and, and Wellens pretty much said he doesn't know because he can't really drop um, the likes of Iandolo and, um, and Grant and Rose and these people. So um, basically Wellens' press conference is, is what we'll touch upon in this podcast in the next sort of five, ten minutes. That's good enough for me. Kerr plays it back in again and no offside. And Taylor has scored. And that surely means it's the Premier League for Swindon Town now. OK, so what we're going to do now is we're going to go through the starting eleven. Listeners' observations and questions will be included in here. Thank you to all of those who provided me their thoughts. And then uh, we'll go into more general uh, questions about the game and beyond. We'll start with the goalkeeper, Luke McCormick. STFC for the fans observes that McCormick's distribution seems to be improving. Not a lot to say, really, as he hasn't had much to do all season. We still conceded a fair few goals, though. But that we've got Stephen Bender in the shadows now waiting to capitalise on any mistakes that McCormick made yesterday or Saturday. His handling was good, distribution was fine. A bit slow when playing from the back occasionally, but generally fine. I talk about his distribution a lot. I don't think it's awful or anything like that. I just think it's a case of, you know, occasionally a ball will get played back to him and he'll, he'll sort of boot it in a hurry or they'll want to start a quick counter and he'll sort of accidentally sort of um, kick it to the opposition head or out for a throw-in. So it's not dreadful. It, it's, it's okay, but I think... It's noticeably worse than the likes of um, Fodgingham and Vigoury that we've had in the had in the past. And I think I, I don't know what Bender's like. I assume he's um, a ball player because that's how goalkeepers been trained um, in the last sort of decade, and especially at Premier League academies and, and Championship academies. So I expect him to be that Vigoury Fodgingham mould. But you know, clearly it's going to be a running theme, as we say in the last sort of ten minutes. That there are so many players that maybe aren't first teamers um, generally but they're they're playing at the moment Wellens can't drop them because they haven't, they haven't done it for long and McCormick will be in that bracket where I think Bender will get in eventually but it's a case of you know McCormick hasn't done anything worthy of being dropped so um, it's just going to be a long process maybe if, if Bender having to buy this time until either something disastrous happens or, or um, you know McCormick's not, not contributing to such an extent that he needs to be dropped in order to um, progress further so uh, I think he, he won't be the starting keeper come May, but but generally he's been, he's been fine so far and he's not been um, a disaster in what has been you know a pretty successful spinning season up to this point. Somebody who isn't looking to lose their place anytime soon is Rob Hunt. Lots of love for Hunt, who grabbed two assists during the Macclesfield game. Tyler STFC thinks Hunt is getting better game by game and shown real consistency. Gets forward a lot and tracks back well. Tyler thinks it's his player of the season so far and a real key part of the team. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd go as far as player of the season, but certainly he's been um, very impressive and uh, there's been a lot of, I'd say, boring discourse this week, but a lot of sort of conversation about Rob Hunt being better than Carnall and this sort of thing. And, you know, even though they're both right backs, they're, they're doing very different jobs and, uh, you know, Rob Hunt fits well and so much better than the Noel Wood and, I wouldn't, you know, go as far as saying he's better or anything like that because they are doing different things. But clearly, Rob Hunt is very uh, important to this Wellens team. And like I said, I wouldn't say go as far as being the best player, but he's certainly been been important in um, in contributing to attacks. And we've seen increase of goal input from this from him in recent weeks. The goal at Orient hasn't gone down as his much to his disappointment, I'm sure. But you know, two assists at the weekend is is clearly showing that he's been, you know, sort of increasingly more crucial to us and going forward and. And long may that continue as he sort of, you know, properly oust Tyler Reid because I, I don't think many many people would have expected him to 
be our starting right back for this long. So certainly he's doing no wrong. And, and Tyler Reed is, you know, getting further and further down the packing order, even though there's any competition for two um, as weeks go on. Next was Ellis Iandolo. Kirk Simons had a really good, if not a little bit pessimistic, question about the weakest part of the starting eleven. He mentioned Doughty, and we'll talk about Doughty later on. But he also asked would you bring Friars in? Now, Iandolo has been earning lots of praise. My stance remains that Zeki Friars is better and should come in when the time is right. But as you've just mentioned, Wellens is not looking to drop him just yet. Yeah, you've got in ahead of me there. I think one of the um, main focuses of, of that presser where Wellens was saying that he can't really drop anyone was, was Ellis. He said, uh, I, I think he'll know that Ellis isn't the first choice left back and it's definitely Friars, but you know, he said he's performing well and he's training well, so he can't look him in the eye and then say, no, Zeki's coming back in. So we are going to see rotation. I think a lot of people will say that you should never change a winning team, but Swindon can't go Saturday, Tuesday from now until May and, and not rotate, even if they are um, winning most weeks. So there there are going to be little bits of changes and, and Fryers may come in um, Tuesday or he might not, but Fryers will get back in eventually, even, even if Iandolo is doing 10 out of 10s every week. But um, certainly, he's been more impressive than many people expected, and you know it's it's quite hard to believe he's been here five years, given the, the sort of lack of games, and he's never been a key player. But you know, if his contract is up in the summer, which I expect it is, then it wouldn't surprise me at this stage if he, if he ends up getting extended yet again. I was hugely impressed with Ellis in the first half. I must say, I do think he flagged from about the 60th minute onwards. I think. The guys that Macclesfield brought in got the better of him a few times, but he got away with it. But this is me nitpicking. I have got no problem with him playing this position. We were asking the question in the summer, what do we do if Zeki Friars gets injured? We have an answer. Yeah, exactly. I think um, you know Rob Hunt got a few games at left back at the beginning and you'd expect Tyler Reid to come in. So Iandolo may be a bit thankful that Tyler Reid didn't do brilliantly at Cheltenham, I think it was, but... He has been a good left back of his own right, and it must have allowed Rob Hunt to play in his more natural right back. So, yeah, nothing to complain about. Again, um, I'll say the same about Iandolo, like I did with McCormick. I doubt come March, April, May, he'll be that starting left back. I'm sure Fries will get in, but you know he's not put a foot wrong yet. So, Zeki might have to be a bit patient than he might have expected um, when he did get when he did get injured. Time for the captain, Dion Conroy. Now, Swindon Spartan doesn't know what it will cost but we really need to extend Conroy's contract beyond this season. The forwards and midfielders have rightfully been given all the praise in recent weeks, but for me, Conroy has been near flawless this season. Yeah, I'm not sure what it cost either. I, I was half surprised that he extended in the summer, I think. Uh, I'm not sure what Wellens said to convince him, but whatever it was, I hope he can, I hope he can do it again um, next May. I think Conroy could have got a League One club if he if he waited a bit longer and his agent maybe did him a better job, but I was delighted it extended and... There's a you know obviously a minor worry that it's only a one year extension, but hopefully um, there's an option or something, or, or like I said, Wellens can convince him to um, stay longer term because you know mentioned it a few times his injury a year or two back hasn't affected him in the slightest, and he's been um, you know near flawless as, as the commenter said. So yeah, pretty perfect from from Conroy, and it's just going to be a, a season long worry of of will he um, sign fresh terms in in six months or so time. Do you honestly think a League One side would have come in for him or anyone was interested in him given the injuries that he had experienced in the year prior to signing the new deal? I think it might have been a red flag, but I think it's it's one of those things that, like I said, if you wait a bit longer, he might have got one, but you, you, don't, you don't normally get many ball-playing centre-backs at, at this level and certainly not ones for quality of, of Comoros. So it, it could well have been a, a red flag, but... I think if there was concrete interest, he might have gone. But I think, I'm not, like I said, I'm not sure what Wellens said to convince him. But given him the armband, might have twisted, twisted his arm enough. And and hopefully he's now fully fledged in the project. And like I said, signs a new deal in March, April, May. Do you think a player would choose League One if it was, say, AFC Wimbledon, who are almost certainly going to struggle ahead of a team that is building a project? I know people don't like that term, but they're they're trying to do stuff at a club and. I think some footballers can see beyond division. I'd like to think so. I think um, I know if I was in that sort of position, I'm not saying Sydney Pacific, but if I had if I had a chance to win a title in in League Two or win a promotion in League Two or finish consolidation mid table in League One, I would choose the the medal because when when your career finishes, you want to look at medals. And although you know the likes of Conroy isn't going to win bucket loads of medals, I think it's a, it's a it's a good chance to maybe get one this season or, or in the near future. So. I'd like to think there are players like that and hopefully Dion is one of them and 
Um, like I said, the captaincy might have won around as well. So hopefully he's, he's all um, invested in that sort of thing rather than just just the level of um, choosing a, a mid-table League One club. So I hope he's like that, and, and long may he be a, a spinning captain and uh, and a key player because he has um, he has been superb the vast majority, if not all of his two and a half years at spinning so far. With Matthew Baudry, we've said a few things on this pod, both me, you, and and guests about like still unsure about him. There's this trust element, but nobody's talking about Baudry in any major negative factors, which must mean he's going about his business very well. Been solid if not spectacular but i was listening to um the late orient podcast orient outlook um the post that game and you know when they were sort of talking about Swindon, they were saying that like you'd expect from baldry Swindon playing out from the back so clearly he was doing this orient and um he didn't play much at mk dons but um paul tilsil was doing that there and i was told that baldry was when he did play was he was playing out from the back well there so he can definitely do those sort of passes that, that dion conroy does and he's he's not awful playing out from the back he's just a bit there's a bit of um, heart and mouth occasionally more than more than there is for Conroy. So, and, and I think the case as well, he, he's 30-odd, so if he does lose the ball, he hasn't got that fast turn of pace that the likes of Conroy or, or someone else does. So he's been perfectly fine. There's a bit, there's a few nervous moments, but he's doing what he's supposed to be doing perfectly well. And I can definitely see why Wellens brought him in. And um, he's he's one of the many um, out, of contract, out of contract as well. So Jury's still out a bit, but I could definitely see that being extended as well, given the sort of leadership qualities and the experience he brings. And he, he does suit the the well in style in as, as much of a centre-back can as well. So I'm um, quietly impressed without being um, sort of blown away by him at this point. We move on to Danny Rose now. Chris Rowe thought Rose was really good against Macclesfield, as he was last week against Leighton Orient. Keeps the ball moving brilliantly, whilst the front four are interchanging and creating space. Yeah, I'll put him in the same bracket as Baldry, is that he's out of contracts and... He's not a key player. He does what he's supposed to do, and he's he, he is relatively important. It's just one of those centre mid and centre back of those sort of troubling positions where to get you know four or five players in, you need to sort of um, impress. And if you're not a key player, then it's hard to sort of get that contract. But I think Danny Rose has um, has been impressive, and he's one of those again in a, in a different bracket. If, if you can stay injury free, he's key. And um, so far, he's been he's played every game he's he's sort of been able to play. So so that's all well and good, and he's starting to get more involved in the in the goal side of it as well. So that's 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 all positive. So again, he's one of those sort of constant seven out of tens rather than a nine, or more importantly, he's never a four out of ten. It was another big game for Lloyd Isgrove. I've got to say that that prolonged stand innovation he received after he was sub- substituted was one of the great moments of recent years at the county ground. Yeah, I think it went under the radar that Conroy got it as well, but I think because Conroy doesn't have a, a good a song or because he's not you know contributing to goals, he didn't get quite the same observation, but he did do that sort of um, mini lap of honour, if you like, during the Arkells and the town end and Don Rogers with stand innovation. So, but yeah, um, Lloyd Isgrove, his moment was, was brilliant and you know, there's, there's great clips going around to people like uh, sort of dragging like toddlers and babies towards him and that sort of thing, like he's the Messiah or something. But um, yeah, a, a wonderful, a wonderful moment. And you don't, you know, we certainly haven't seen it much in in recent years, if at all. So, like you said, a slight worry if there's sort of injury problems. And again, during that sort of presser, Wellens made a point that he can't really play Kane at the moment, but he's definitely going to need Kane soon. So, I think Lloyd is probably playing with something, or or there's a there's a, a worry that something might go pop or something in the next few weeks, but uh, so Kane's ready. But generally, he's been, you know, getting assists all over the shop and, and been a fan favourite to say the least. So hopefully, Lord Isgrove can um, can get through it. But I think if, if something does happen, then, then Kane will be an adequate ish replacement for him. You just watched that whole stand innovation, and when Conroy did it, he was doing the professional captain clap, sort of focusing, sort of straight face. Not Lloyd, though absolutely beaming throughout he was loving every second of it yeah he's practically mauled by the time near the um near the corner flag to, um heading towards the sort of car park and that sort of thing so <laughs> that was nice to see and, and it was nice that they let him go so, so he, could go, he, he could get to the bench but um yeah i think you know a huge worry we've been talking about this season is he's out of contract in the summer but you know, hopefully things like that will win him round and, and make him believe that, you know, he's properly loved round here, even if he's only been here two months. So that's all that's all lovely and, and long may it continue. This this new rule being substituted and having to leave the field of play wherever you're closest is gonna really backfire on some players. You can imagine 
bless them, people like Brad Barry, Anton Rogers, Ormond Otterwill and co, if they were substituted and had to go past the town end after, <laughs> uh, it, it wouldn't be a standing ovation. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've actually seen it that much, but clearly Lord Isgrove um, followed the rules and, <laughs> and definitely soaked, uh, soaked up every second of that. But um, yeah, hopefully there's more um, players basking in the glory rather than absolutely pegging it down the down the. Uh, down the touchline so um so yeah more of that if, uh, if people do stick by the rules and go off where they're supposed to another player who could bask in glory yesterday after impressing fans on his home debut was anthony grant a very very good display for somebody who was clearly hasn't played as much as he would have liked in recent months yeah a lot of sort of um man of the match shouts which i think might have been pushing it a tad but even so i mean you can't really understate too much that he's had not much of a preseason with Shrewsbury given he was so out of favour there and, and not wanted and he was you know that was for 70 odd minutes or whatever it was he was on for them that, that was pretty perfect as, as far as far as a sort of ball winning centre field goes and he didn't get booked or anything so that was all perfect so yeah very very surprising how cap- capable he was given he wasn't exactly much fit to put it to put it lightly and I think he was replaced on 80 minutes so couldn't get through the game but but clearly I think it was, it was good that he got um, the vast majority rather than um, sort of half an hour 65 minutes mm. Didn't get much feedback for Jerry Yates. Uh, he didn't have many chances, but our friend Chris Rowe also observed that Yates's work rate is unbelievable, and he was a nuisance throughout. Yeah, he he would do that sort of thing, and and I think you touched upon with the second goal. He sort of um, managed to outstretch a boot and 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 get onto it, so um, to fashion a goal. So yeah, he did have many chances, but he's still getting involved in um, in making goals and. You know he will do that countless running that will make Wellens fall in love with him, and and I think he, again he mentioned it in the press that he loves Jerry Oates just just for that because he will keep on running and keep ha- ha- harrying the opposition. So there, there might be the odd game where he sort of goes under the radar in, in terms of not getting goals, but he's certainly contributing to the team regardless. The sponsors' man of the match was Owen Doyle after his two goals during the game. Both of them similar finishes. Both of them lovely. He loves it. <laughs> Easy choice for the sponsors, but they rarely um, do anything controversial. <laughs> so, two goals equals an easy man of the match. Uh, which there's not, not many complaints. I mean, that he was he was very good. So so yeah, it's uh, he might have to get used to um, doing those post match speeches. And he was he was on to uh, do the the presser rather than uh, rather than Rob Hunt in the end. But I think it, the sponsors can uh, let him go. So so yeah, a very popular figure in there. Bradford must be ruining there decent to, to let him go on loan given he was so out of favour but that's a, a surprise there but Doyle is, is making them rue that, de- that decision I think I think it's one of those things I mean we're going to be talking about Yates and Gran and Doyle right up until January because one of those three two of those three or three of those three are going to have great games all up until that point and it's going to get to a moment where our season will rest upon making sure that these guys are still in the at the club post January. But I think right now we just have to enjoy them, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we'll enjoy it now and panic when we get to December the twenty fifth and Absolutely. that sort of thing. Um, yeah, enjoy it while we can and we'll get to the panic stations um later on in the later on in the year and maybe we'll get to January. But I, I, by the week I'm getting more confident than Bradford won't do it because they're doing all right and they don't really need him. I think it's just a, a case of like we touched on, they might get a bit, you know, angsty that they they don't want him being for someone else. But I don't, I don't think they're going to need him and, and hopefully they can just be nice and, and, and let him stay here. And the same with Rotherham and Yates as well. Yeah, I mean, from the outside in, you know, you read all these comments like Bradford fans saying, stick him on, bring him back, stick him on the bench or don't play him out of spite or just to maintain their promotion bid. That's not how football works. Wages have to be paid. Uh, they're going to want other players in. They'll be, it's not worked out for Doyle at Bradford. Rarely do they get sacked off and then go back and do brilliantly. Jamie Curtin was an example. I remember when he went to Colchester, came back and was fine, but he was prolific at Colchester and then we had to get rid anyway. So I think we just need I just think we just need to relax and what will be will be and trust the club to try and get something done or to make sure the loan goes until May. Yeah, it might be it might be um useful for Swindon that he's out of contract in the summer anyway. So uh if they, if they want to try and buy him they they shouldn't be a large asking fee unless again Bradford are being stubborn and sticking their heels in. But you know they, they should be 
a decent enough chance of, of keeping him if someone desperately want him. Final member of the starting lineup we haven't talked about yet, Keshi Anderson, who is having one of his best spells at Swindon. I've read a few comments along the lines of last season he would have missed that chance or certainly not been in the position to follow up Doyle's efforts. He's already one goal away from equaling his league total from last season. There was a big gap between his first and second. That was his uh, two goals in two games for him. It's just great to see him play into his potential, the potential that Wellens knows exists. And we know all it exists. They were so obsessed with getting Keshi Anderson to this club long before Wellens came here. It's good that we're finally getting something out of him. Yeah, I've had a few bad opinions this season. Um, Keshi Anderson's the one where I feel properly vindicated because as you know and as a lot of other people know that I've been I've been banging the Keshi Anderson drum for for seemingly so long and um although he's not being um the, the 10 that I expected him to be um in this 442 he's he's been that left winger and he's, but he's still performing brilliantly and I think we've seen he's been given such freedom by the overlapping fullbacks he, he, he does drift in and play that sort of 10 role anyway and he's, he's that far forward and and you know scoring the goal uh, like he did at the weekend in that sort of position so so yeah he's definitely finally flourishing like he can do and I feel great and uh you know, like I said at the beginning, like in the summer, I, I half expected both him and Woolery to score so many goals in the year they're out of contract, and and certainly the one that's playing regularly is is getting the goals we largely expecting to be getting. So again, another one we can we can panic with, and when we get to April, May, June, that April, May, June, that when Kesh Anderson is finally reaching his potential, we could be could end up losing him. Quite. Substitutions, Adam May came on for 10 minutes, did fine. Uh, Kane Woolery came on for his Grove in the last seven. If we were going to score a fourth, it, it felt like it was going to come through Woolery and his pace, but they didn't quite get the through ball. And Tom Broadbent came on for his first league minutes of the season, replacing Conroy at the end, who was hobbling. Yeah, I, I can't really comment deeply on the subs because they weren't on for that long at all. Mm. And that's the sort of thing where I'm, I'm filing last minute reports and that sort of, sort, sort of thing. So if I was still doing player ratings, I'd probably put him as a, an NA or just a six to, to save my blushes and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, it's good to see that. I, I think it's more important that the players were coming off were getting rested rather than the um, the players coming on were getting minutes. But even so, like well and such upon if he, if he needs them um, on Tuesday or, or going forward, then at least May and um, and Wallery are, are, sli- are slightly more ready than they would be um, normally if they were on the bench for the entire game. Here's Rooney with the layoff. Williams looking for the early cross. He's come instead to... Uh... Talked about a team finding a piece of real quality. We've just seen it for Massimo Luongo. The touch of quality we needed. It's a stunning opening goal. You're listening to the Low Strangers podcast, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. Let's talk about the selection headache then. So, for the first time in what feels like ages, Richie Wellens is a Swindon Town manager with a genuine selection dilemma. Certainly in centre midfield with Leiden and Doughty hoping to return and Rose and Grant doing their best to prevent this. Dasmith messaged to say that he thought Grant was outstanding yesterday and should have been man of the match. The town end was rocking and it's not been like that for a while. Players engaging with the fans is a very positive mood which breeds positivity. Long may it continue but will Doughty get back in? Lookout123 observes that We've seen some of the defence cutting passes Doughty played that have led to goals against the likes of Exeter, etc. Does that mean he'll get back into the squad sooner rather than later? Or do we have enough of this, that sort of ability elsewhere within the squad? Yeah, I wish I knew the answer to this. If I, if I did, <laughs> I'd be uh, I'd be sent it to the advert so I can get scoops mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So I, I'm not sure what's going to happen on Tuesday, but... What I do know is that if he does go back to 4-2-3-1 and gets Doughty in, I think there will be people that are happy, but I can guarantee there'll be um, responses to the the team sheet tweet that there'll be, you know, don't change a winning team and that sort of thing. And as, as I've touched upon that, you have got to do it occasionally. And it, it might backfire with a, if we sort of change the winning team and more importantly a winning formation. But I think there's going to be a time when Doughty does come back in and I think there could be a slight worry that he gets overawed a bit with with 4-4-2 as we, just, we talked about last week. So, 
yeah, I really can't answer this question with any, any sort of validity. Um, the only thing I can sort of say is what I would do, and I would I would sort of change back to four two three one because I, I think Doughty will be um, that important to this team, and that will give you know the likes to to bring Waller in and that sort of thing. So, and even I think even Yates played a, a sort of quarter of an hour um, last uh, at the weekend with left wing. So even if they did change back, then they, Yates could fill that um, that hole at left wing as well. So there's still plenty of options to be going forward and. Whatever happens, hopefully Swindon will will get those three points the weekend. But it's clearly a, a genuine headache for Wellens, given he can't really drop anyone that's that's so informed. But he also wants his, his you know, his so-called star men back. I'm very relaxed ahead of Tuesday regarding the the team selection because what we have to remember that Rose has had a, a reasonable time out on the sidelines injured and Grant hasn't played a lot of football the club have been sensible in arranging friendlies against Brentford and Wimbledon recently but two games in a few days may be much for Rose and Grant at this time yeah it's a valid point and uh, I think it's gonna be difficult because you know one different one difference before there's injured one is I wouldn't say very unfit but clearly he's not um, at the level he needs to be um, like like we've mentioned earlier so Unless uh, City Sinoka is going to get his, his first appearance, then it's, it's going to be an uphill struggle for, for, for the likes of Grant, and hopefully the likes of um, Rose and Grant can can get through it. And if they do, um, if they do get the nod, Pete Norris asks. I think we covered this recently. Where are we at our weakest? Who can we not afford to get injured for say ten games? I'll do the second one first because we sort of covered it last week, and I, I can't really offer any extension beyond um, is Grove. You know, like I said, I think. If something did happen to Isgrave, Woolery would be an adequate replacement. Not, you know, perfect, but I think it would do a good enough job rather than a perfect one. Um, in terms of the weakest area, I think people will hate me for this, but I'm going to say goalkeeper. But um, I don't think it's a, a real problem area. And I think it's, it's more of a, a sign of a bigger picture that we are looking for weak spots rather than looking for strong points, frankly. So, um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't say we've got any disaster areas. It's just the case of... Slight question mark over maybe Bender could be a better option in goal and um, the other one at left back where Fries is probably the better option, but Andre's not doing anything wrong. So I wouldn't say we've got any gaping holes where there's a you know big red circle in terms of replace there, but um, certainly there could be the odd tweak now and, here, now and again to um, to slightly improve things. Swindon Spartan did come in with another question. It's more of a dilemma. If you or if we could sign one of our current loanees in January to a full contract, who would it be? I think I'll start this by saying that when I saw the question in the email that I get, I get sent for these things, as I had to think of the loanees, and I think it's the, the thing that Wellen said towards the end of last season that he didn't want the loanees to be um, the key players, and I think with the exception <laughs> of the strikers, I think he's been pretty spot on. Well, actually, we've got the likes of uh, Rose, uh, sorry, not Rose, we've got the likes of May who's back up and. And, and people like that and Jai Simi although he's injured would have been back up anyway and, and I don't think he expected to be playing both Doyle and Yates already so one of them is probably expected to be back up and, and other players as well and Bender's currently on the bench as well so I don't think any of the loanees are being that relied on too much but clearly Doyle and Yates have been, have been important at this point I think if I had a gun to my head and in this hypothetical where I've got to pick one I'd, I'd go for Yates probably because he's, he's a bit younger and uh, and, and Although Doyle's great, and I'm not ageist and saying that um, people over 30 have, have had it, but clearly if I was going to um, build a team for the future and, and fit well, and I go for that slightly younger striker that will do um, more running than Doyle. Doyle does do the running, but I think Yates does a bit more. And like I said, he's, he's younger, so he can slightly build for the future with Yates. So if I had to, if I had to pick one right now, I'd go for Jerry just because I'm thinking of the, the longer term um, and you know sell on that sort of, and all the rest of it. So so yeah, a difficult between the two strikers, but I'd go for Jerry just over Doyle, even though Doyle has been, you know, clearly excellent. I go exactly the same, just replace Doyle for Yates for everything that you've just said. I think Doyle has, although he hasn't got maybe the ability to be as much of a nuisance in the box as Yates has, I think Doyle is much more likely to be our 20-25 goal scorer. And I know it's not all about goals, but my God, he knows how to put it in the net. <laughs> if anything, it relaxes us that Bradford will never have him again as well. So... Um, <laughs> So I think if, if I was more desperate for any of them, I'd say Doyle. But I think, like I said, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of bigger picture. And uh, if I was going to not build a team around them, but if, I was, if I'm thinking of like the, the longer term five-year plan or something, I'd go for Yates. Because like I said, he's he's got more in him and uh, they could definitely be sort of, I don't know, if, he, if he's really good, they could be championship series and that sort of thing. So 
so yeah, if I was going right this second, probably Doyle, um, you know, for, for right here, right now, but I'm thinking of the, the bigger picture and probably go for Yates. Shall we take a observation from a friend in Buenos Aires? We should always do that. <laughs> That's right. We have a fan in Buenos Aires, Argentina, called Federico Kanda, and he has message to say, I think if we play like we did against Macclesfield, then we are one of the best teams in the league. The 4-4-2 system is really clicking, and when Doughty comes back to the starting lineup, we will be even better. We found a team that functions really well with the formation we have, with two wingmen midfielders like Anderson and Isgrove, and with two centre strikers like Doyle and Yates. It reminds me of Uruguay's national team. Cheers from Argentina, and let's go Swindon. Always nice to be compared to Uruguay. I, I don't think Doyle and Yates are quite Cavani and Suarez quite yet, but it, I'll definitely take that, and uh, always good to be compared to, to, to world-class uh, teams and that sort of thing. So um, it's, a, it's a good strike partnership. Maybe not quite to the level yet, but um, I'll definitely take any sort of comparison to more exotic names like Uruguay. Super City STFC feels that we have a very set starting lineup now with just the centre midfielders obviously at the moment being rotated due to injuries and suspension is there anything you've seen from the fringe players to, to suggest they deserve a chance in the starting lineup and by that I'm talking about Reed, Broadbent, May those sort of fringe players not really probably because I haven't really seen them properly I think like I said uh, May got 10 minutes yesterday and that's definitely to really um, read into and, and I, I don't think I've seen Reed properly in, in, in competitive action I think it's just a uh, pre-season I, I wasn't at Cheltenham so I can't comment deeply on that so yeah they, they haven't done from wrong I don't think but I just I just haven't seen them frankly um, you might have a better a comment given you went to the Chelsea game but um, yeah the, the, the cup game was away and um, like I said Reed at Cheltenham was a uh, was away as well, so I, I really haven't got a proper insight to give um, regarding the fringe players because, um, you know, like you said, we've got a very set eleven, and the, those those backup players only get um, the last sort of ten fifteen minutes. Broadbent didn't have fun against Chelsea under twenty ones. Reed looked fine, but as I've said, as I said at the time, this is a guy that isn't going to benefit from playing reserves games. He's going to have to play minutes. Otherwise, I think he'll stagnate, and I think. This is going to be the case for Tyler Reed as as it stands. And May was very languid, but he he scored a very good goal. This is where the leasing got the leasing dot com trophy doesn't work because if all of these games were at the same time, May would be playing three games. Reed would be playing three games in quick succession. They're not. We have to wait till set August, September, October, or is it August, October, November for this round of the leasing.com trophy to be completed and that's not going to benefit both our players or any other players in this competition so i mean i think the answer is ultimately no i can only sort of offer further that wellen said that wally was sort of the best player on the pitch for best player on the pitch for um was it brentford one but i can't remember the most recent one but clearly i think they're those behind closed doors even though they're non-competitive in terms of um, points that could be, you know, sort of deal breakers in terms of getting minutes and, and maybe even if it's any chance of them wearing the way in, then then that can be important. But I think I think it's just a case of um, Echo and Wellens that although uh, no one in the first team is doing anything wrong, I think those those players that are back up have just got to keep pushing away and hope that, you know, necessary rotation injuries get, sort of gets them gets them in. That's, that's the sort of anything they can do because that first 11 hasn't put a foot wrong really since August. We'll move on. I'm sure Dean McMackin is mocking you when he asks, do we think we may have been hasty in thinking that Yates and Doyle will not be used as a front two? No idea what he's on about. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's only been three games, but clearly I think I'm quite happy to um, retract that already because although my worry wasn't um, Doyle and Yates, uh, my, my, my sort of main worry, um, even more amusing now, was that I thought Isco would be um, more drawn and if anything his grave is more involved uh, in the 4-4-2 so um, yeah definitely it's, it, three games doesn't define the season but I'm happy to retract it already takes a man to admit that <laughs> I've got to otherwise that tweet is going to get awful load of retweets so, um, so yeah uh, mere culpa <laughs> Neil <laughs> Neil Haywood asks just how good is this team with the current crop are we realistically looking at possible champions my answer is why not <laughs> Correct answer. Um, I haven't seen the rest of League Two, so I, I, I obviously watch the EFL, and that's what, EFL highlights and that sort of thing. But I haven't seen uh, the rest of League Two properly. I think 
Swindon have been good, and I think Wellington will be as good as any manager in this league. And I think the team style will be as good as any team in this league. And I think uh, the, the playing staff will be good, as good as any team in this league. But um, I haven't seen Bradford yet. I haven't seen Plymouth yet. And both of them have been okay, but not brilliant. And Salford have been a lot worse than I thought they would be. So I think that there could be teams that are on a par in terms of lineup. But uh, I, like I said, I, I can't comment too deeply. But I, I do think Swindon will be in that mix. And uh, although I haven't seen, I have been a bit pessimistic I've come across a bit pessimistic in this podcast uh, I will m- remind people that I did have as for third um, pre-season so uh, I'm still quietly confident and uh, I do think we'll be up there come May I know mistakes happen in games across football but ultimately we were one horrific decision away from being top of the league on goal difference you know so a bit of me would prefer to just be in the background and ready to pounce around about February March time but we're up there the grumpy bums are quiet. We're playing wonderful, wonderful football. And I know Terry Pierce, who, who comes on the pod, and we'll speak to him next week after the Cambridge game. He's just said, enjoy the moment. And I'm fully on board with that mentality at the moment. I think I've said the, the words acid test too many times in this podcast <laughs> already, but we, we have got we have got um, Bradford away in a few weeks. Yeah. So um, get three points of value parade and <laughs> the promotion party will be fully underway already. So, um, so yeah, that could, be, that could be a big one because... I think we have had a tough start in terms of games. I think I know Scunthorpe have been rubbish, but they they were recently recently relegated, and um, you know the likes of uh, Carlisle and O'Muggs and that sort of thing. But I don't think we've, we've played anyone properly good yet. I think you know Bradford and Plymouth will be big ones and and, and teams like that. So we we've had a, a decent-ish fixture list, but I don't think we've had um, you know proper big headers yet. So maybe we'll see um, you know more as the season goes on. We'll see. Speaking of Terry, he's got some questions for us. When do we progress from good start, but table means nothing, to genuine promotion push? And I think you've just answered that question. Yeah, a little bit. I'm not to say like May the 5th, but um, <laughs> Chris, Chris is, when, is when I start really paying attention. Um, so I think if you get through Christmas, then I'll start being like, here we go. But I, I'm, I'm a bit like that anyway. But Christmas is, is the real sort of um, bearer, I think. I know we, we've seen um, the odd team, I think, famously, I think, um, Barnsley were in the bottom four in League One and they ended up going through the playoffs um, when they were bottom in Christmas. And, um, you know, we've seen teams fall off when they're doing well. But generally, I think if you get through those winter months and you're still um, in a conversation, you, you'll, you'll still be there. So you come back to me in 2020 and uh, that'll be the um, the bearer, I think. Mm. Terry has another question. He Well, he's, he's asking for suggestions for something for the moaners to moan about after we found an official team photo. I'm not sure what the latter means. Have you not seen that? No. Uh, there's a bloke on Twitter that got proper Aggie. He's, he's, he's saying that he has um, tweeted the club like 20 times and had no, no reply regarding the team photo. So he was he was, uh, he was moaning about that. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, the, the, <laughs> <laughs> the point stands for suggestions for things the moaners to moan about. Um, we're not scoring enough goals beyond Yates, Doyle and Anderson. Your turn. Yeah, I think that, that could be one of the main things. But I think I'll say something that will sound like a joke, but I'm deadly serious. Is that the uh, the Wi-Fi in the press box has not been quite up to scratch as it, this season has it, as it has been in recent years. So the one thing that is taking a slight um, dent on this season has been I can't, I can't get things sent to my uh, employees in time. So um, the results are great, but someone please fix the Wi-Fi in the press box. Thanks. I can't help but think that was more geared for you other than general. <laughs> I'll go with another one. Doughty hasn't had the opportunity to take a penalty. That is true, but we we know that the season will get ruined when he uh, chips a Penenka straight in the middle on his court. So um, let's let's just uh, focus on the scooter rather than penalties for now. Ben from Steps observes the attendance from the Macclesfield game and asks how the club can further increase the crowd side aside from free tickets and similar initiatives. We are going to end this podcast on a bad note because I do not know. Um, I, I'm not sure what Wellens can do in terms of playing style because it's, it's as entertaining as, you, as you're going to get. I don't, I don't know what the club can do in terms of um, engagement and uh, the fan park and the rest of it. I, I do think 7K is quite decent for the league too. I think it's just going to be a case of, are we, are we going to hit 10K until we're like hmm. top of League One? And maybe. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what, what more the, the club can do. Maybe there'll be a, um, a bit of an uptake in, in February if we're still in the conversation and, and, and doing well and playing well. But, um, you know, in terms of in terms of off the pitch, I hope no one from the um, Swindon Town staff is, is listening to this looking for advice because I do not know what what, what to do to um, to get it above seven um, k and beyond. I completely agree. I completely agree. When I when when I read this question, 
I went on Rich Banyard's archive website and looked up the last time we won League Two, for example. And when Town faced Macclesfield during that great run under Paolo Di Canio, the attendance was 7,639 with 38 away fans. So that was during a time where we were winning every week. It was about three or four games into that run that ended against Oxford. And that was a time where people kind of romanticise about it and talk about those games as if there was 10,000, 12,000 going. But that simply wasn't the case. We were getting high-end 7,000s if a team with a decent away following was turning up. And then obviously near to the end when the title was being confirmed, we had a few more in. So I think... I think it's up to us. I think, you know, we can talk about cost and things like that. That's not going to change. But it's up to Swindon Town fans to convince their friends who are Swindon Town fans who aren't going that this is different. There's a different feeling. I mean, we're in September and that feeling against Macclesfield felt like May. It felt it didn't feel like, you know, there's all these sort of chants of, you know, we are going up and E-I-E-I-E-I-O and all that. But, you know, that's that's mostly tongue-in-cheek. Even if they believe it, you know, we're not doing what Bristol City accused us of in 2014-15 where, where we genuinely, genuinely think, you know, put a nail in the season, we've, we've, we've done it. But it's such a good feeling. So I think it's up to us as fans, really, to start convincing the mates that, you know, Liverpool at 12.30, watch it in the Legends Lounge and come and watch Swindon, even if it does mean that you wear your Liverpool shirt or your Swindon shirt. I saw someone with a Chelsea Azard shirt yesterday and that really riled me. I don't know why, you know, as long as... <laughs> that wasn't come, me, I promise you. <laughs> uh, I wasn't sure. I almost tapped the shoulder. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going off point here. The club should continue trying. They should continue to probe and find ways of getting people through the turnstiles. But, I mean, I'd mean, be interested in your opinion here, Ben, but I think we have to play our part as fans as well. I don't want to mention power, but I think people who are on that side of things have sort of made their bed and will probably lie on it now. And whatever um, sort of restrictions they have on that will mm. probably be with them until someone else comes in and you can't change that. So... That's one obstacle, but you know, like like you said, it, it wasn't. Um, it was pretty much the same sort of numbers when we were good in League Two last time. So, yeah, I, I think we are kind of stuck for a bit. I think the, the, the club's clearly got potential. I think there's a lot of not not stay away fans, but fans that, that, that they do support the club but can't quite make it every week. Maybe that would change if we were Championship or something like that. So, I think the potential's there, but it's going to be maybe a long sort of laborious task of, of just waiting and hopefully. There can be an explosion, sort of like that, like there has been at Lincoln, where they were sort of um, in the doldrums for the National League for ages, and then you know two promotions in two years, and they're uh, and they're you know getting sort of ten k or whatever it is. So uh, there could be a bit of that, and just sort of waiting and hoping we can you know finally get above this sort of tier three, tier four yo yo like we have in the last sort of ten twenty years. Yeah, it's it's really, I mean, people's work patterns people's finances that's their business and they can't go to games because of that and if they have families look I'm one of these fans I don't go every week I pick and choose but I'm telling you I mean I went to the game yesterday with my wife and my my child and my wife supports Bristol City and she's been going to one or two games every now and again um, since 2004 and she was saying this is the happiest she's seen the county ground as a as a as a neutral as an outsider ever you know she didn't go during the decanio era because we were away but but she's she's observed that as an outsider that things are much better the football's great and and the feeling within the the stands i didn't hear one i did hear one get it forward actually i am lying there but but you know i'm not hearing those irate noises even when we're winning i think there's a lot of trust in this side yeah, I think I think it'd be more interesting to see if, what were the attendance were like in in twenty fourteen fifty. But I don't think they were that great either. I don't think we were pushing ten k like we were in no. um, 09, 10. Um So, so I, I I don't know. I think like I said, times are times aren't great, and there, there are reasons. There are plenty of reasons why people don't people don't go. But in terms of those that they can make it every week, I'm not sure. You know what the club can do, and I think we are like I said, we are maybe stuck until we can sort of get you know a couple a couple of versions in a row, or or can be stable in in tier two. I think there's 
there's clearly a, a big base, but they they can't bring themselves to maybe bring um, maybe get to tier three on t- or tier four in a, on a on a regular enough basis. So the answer is we need to be we need to be on a promotion push at a division above to get maybe a thousand more, and then we need to be in the championship to maybe get two thousand more. <laughs> Yeah, potentially. All the answers, I don't have a bloody clue. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, this episode is going on and on and on. It's not like us to waffle, is it, Ben? Um, Let's talk about the next two fixtures because there are two games to cover next week. First up is on Tuesday night, Colchester United. That's at the county ground, 7.45. Colchester lost 1-0 at Forest Green Rovers this weekend with former town players Luke Norris and Frank Noble starting. And Theo Robinson, remember him, coming on as a second-half sub. They're currently 17th on nine points from eight games, winning two, drawing three, losing three. But a couple wins and they'll be in the playoff picture as it stands. Town have already lost to Colchester this season. That was in the EFL Cup. But, you know... That's Swindon Town in the cup competitions. Many fear a week, a midweek curse. It's an important game for the momentum and to keep that feel-good factor moving on. Yeah, I'll be repeating myself again, but I, I don't feel that Colchester are a better team than us. I, I, I think we play better stuff and I think they're one of the best teams in the league. But yeah, I, I, all my sort of um, negative predictions this season have been um, outside factors like a, a Ross Hamilton masterclass or, or the, the scumfort game killing momentum and that sort of thing. But I'm going to go for a, a drop points here. I think I'll go for a draw purely because Colchester have got that terrifying front row of three ex-town alumni, <laughs> Noble, Norris and Robinson. One of them is definitely scoring. It's Robinson. Um, probably yeah. Norris knee slides in front of the town end. So, um, yeah, I'll go for I'll go for a one-all to, to kill momentum and uh, definitely one of those one of those front three uh, having a good time in front of the town end and, and getting the last laugh. I'll go for 2-1 Swindon with Robinson scoring early on and celebrating in front of the town end and that killing any fans wanting or wishing for him to sign for Swindon in the future. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure which <laughs> which three is more likely to score. I think it'd be Norris on the law of sods. I think, you know, obviously not a loved figure here to say the least. So he's probably pretty likely and it might be Robertson as well to make me look stupid given the um, opinions I've given on this podcast. So, um, so yeah, definitely expecting um, at least one of those three to score and it'll probably be someone that's uh, not particularly popular around these parts as well. So, um, so yeah, could be a lot of uh, midweek woes, I think, again this, this week, but hopefully I'm wrong and um, it could definitely be a chance because I do think we're better than them, but there will be, we're not going every week, so hopefully... Uh, this will be one of them, but it could be a, it could be a chance that um, these are ones that where teams bank in and, and get the point or maybe even through. The mischievous Connor Garrett has worked out that Tuesday is Swindon's chance to win four games in a row for the first time since February, March 2016. To put that into perspective, when that winning run started, BBC Three was still an actual TV channel and there was no exact date for the EU referendum. Halcyon days. Well, as L.P. Hartley wrote, the past is a foreign country. They do things differently there. <laughs> Let's not end this podcast for going for a left-wing propaganda of uh, not one of the EU referendum. So, um, so yeah, we'll hopefully we can get those, uh, those those wins again to bring back those quite halcyon days of 2016. Yeah, we'll leave it at that and leave means leave as far as that (laughs) comment is concerned so our next game is on saturday the 21st it's against colin calderwood's cambridge united and it is town on the road again last season we took only one point from cambridge we lost two now at the county ground and drew nil nil away cambridge beat crew 3-2 over the weekend and they're playing mansfield in midweek they include the 2019 LS Pod Player of the Season, Kyle Noyle, and Mark Richards is also starting for them at the moment. Tickets, £20 for adults, £15 for the over 65 students, and 18 to 22s. It's £10 for under 18s, £5 for under 12s, and free for the under 5s. Look, we really want to keep this run going. Imagine talking in a week's time after five out of five. I cannot see it because well, we've been doing this pod for over a year now and those sort of great things don't happen. But four points, six points would be great considering the 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 triple selection of fixtures that we have immediately after Cambridge, which is in the league, Newport, Bradford and Plymouth. I'm really going to say we'll draw again at Cambridge, but um, 
yeah, yeah, I think the last time we did one of these double headers where we had a midweek and a Saturday was a week where we expected things to not be great with um, Northampton and, and then, you know, the, the, the terrible ground that is Bottom Road. And I think this could be another worry, but I think um, hopefully we get more than one point this time. And I think at least at least one win will keep us on course to um, so still, still, still be in that promotion picture. But yeah, I think this is a, this isn't a nice looking week, I don't think. Ooh, Ben with his pessimism. Nothing can go wrong now. <laughs> you know it. So yeah, prove, prove me wrong, kids. Prove me wrong. <laughs> I'm going four points. I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw at Cambridge. A frustrating one, but a point nonetheless. If it's gone to my head and I'm told to tell you how I really feel, I'm going for six points. But that <laughs> sounds far too, far too optimistic. I'm tempted to go for the draw at Cambridge, but I'm not going to... Even, even me being pessimistic is, is not going to overwhelm me this time so uh, I'll back one of the wins um, at Cambridge I'll go for a T1 at Cambridge but like I said I think this is a, a tricky not nice looking week but um, hopefully we can get um, at least four and uh, roll on roll on promotion it's still happening well that is that for this week's episode what a great weekend it was I don't want anything to be a misin- misinterpreted I thoroughly enjoyed watching Swindon dismantle Macclesfield the way they did. It was patient, it was methodical, it was well thought out, and those goals were clinical. Ben, have you got anything to add? Turn up on Tuesday. That's that's my first one, and it's one to, to get people at the go because, you know, we need it, and this is a good time to be a town fan. So um, if you can, be there on Tuesday. Amen to that. Ben, thank you very much. Thanks, Rich. The Low Strangers is proudly sponsored by the official STFC Supporters Club. The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford and the artwork was provided expertly by John Daglish. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Come on, boys. It's a grand old team to play for. It's a grand old team to see. Hi, Alice Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.